Hi, this is Tom, and uh, we are uh, talking about surrender as a fruit of abiding. And uh, tonight I want to pick up the conversation, continue to talk about the stages of faith. But before we do that, um, I'm going to offer a point of clarification from last time. And this will probably, that'll probably become a regular thing just because of the, the nature and the format of what the way this is being done. Um, I use the term faith takes root and I've used it a few times and I want to just make a distinction. When I use that term, it's not a statement on salvation. It's not a statement on eternal destiny. It's not defining, you know, that someone is having their Kairos moment or their, um, uh, their born again moment. Uh, simply what I mean by that is when I say faith takes root, I'm talking about going deeper. I'm talking about uh, a punctuation of the faith where our eyes are opened to um, a deeper view of truth, uh, a view of clarity of scripture, a view of God, a better understanding of themselves, a better understanding of their sin, of the holiness of God. It could be a number of things, but I wanted to just uh, make that clear you know, when I, when I use that term, John 15 uh, verses 1 through 5 come to mind is um, uh, being uh, branches rooted in the vine, which is Christ. Um, but I, I like the, the imagery of that terminology because um, to me it, it's organic and it uh, depicts to me uh, the idea of growth. So I just wanted to, to make that clarification. Um, you know, frankly, when it comes to, um, you know, eternal destiny, I prefer to leave that all to God. (laughs) I don't want to, uh, have a say in that only God knows our hearts and, um, I just think it's just, it's unwise to do that. Um, you know, but I wanted to clarify that because last time I gave the example of the Episcopal priest that was at the Billy Graham crusade. And he had been in the pulpit for 30 years, but decided to walk the aisle and um, and recite the sinner's prayer. Now, whether that man was saved or not, we know that that he went away from there. Uh, As Billy Graham tells the story, he went away from there. His ministry was transformed. Um, To me, that sounds very much like uh, someone who was saved going through the motions uh, got very mechanical, very routine, and God called him out and uh, took him to the next level. And so he had a, a, a wake, an awakening to go deeper. That would be my interpretation of that. I don't necessarily say, oh, you know, all of a sudden he got saved. We don't know. The truth is we don't know. Only God knows um, the, the moment of salvation and I do believe that as we grow up in the faith, we are going to have these uh, these moments that bring uh, clarity. And it could be to uh, a much deeper understanding. Um, well, l- let me g- use myself as an example. Um, you know, I've always, for years, have just said, oh, I became a, a Christian my freshman year in college at Arizona State, I was spent three days asking, uh, um, engaged with a campus evangelist with uh, questions and answers. And on the third day, 
uh, he asked me if I wanted to follow Christ, and I said, yes, I do. And we prayed the sinner's prayer together. Um, so that was me in the infancy of my faith. And uh, But if you asked me just a few years ago, um, I've had some punctuations in my faith over the last 15 years that have uh, opened my eyes into a much deeper view of God, a much deeper view of myself and the holiness of God. And, you know, I, I went, come, have come to understand that, in a sense, self-awareness is sin awareness, as I came to really understand my total depravity. And so, just a few years back, if you had asked me how long I'd been a believer, I would have said, well, uh, possibly my freshman year of college, or it might have been uh, on a beach in Hawaii in August of 2015. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, that would have been my answer then. But now I recognize that uh, the Lord had um, revealed himself further to me and taken me to um, a deeper place. And, you know, and I think that's just part of growing up. If we think about the parallel of, of uh, uh, infancy and a newborn baby, <laughs> you know, and uh, newborn babies are wonderful because you just watch them and they're, they're helpless and uh, they're, they're unaware of what's going on. They, they're 100% dependent. And, but then you watch them grow. And, um, you know, crawling becomes walking, walking becomes running. They developed a taste for foods and things they like and things they don't like. Uh, they recognize colors and they're just discovering the world. And in a, in a sense, we are like that when we come to know uh, Christ and we're born again and the scales fall off, our, off of our eyes and we uh, see the whole world in a whole new way. And, um, uh, so I think that's, uh, kind of important to understand on this journey, because I think a lot of times it's very easy for us to question our salvation, uh, to feel disconnected from God and I, I am, uh, desert experiences do, uh, do happen to us. And, um, you know, the Psalm 42 describes an experience that when I read that, I'm like, oh, that feels like me. Or uh, Deuteronomy 8 is one of my life first chapters because you have that wilderness experience and you feel disconnected from God. And it, it can be even more difficult when you're um, surrounded by uh, mountaintop Christians whose life seemed to be perfect. And, um, you know, and, and you can be, even become resentful of that. And sometimes I look at that and going, Ugh, they're fake. Um, there's no way, it just, there's no way that's genuine. You know, and, and in the bitterness of my heart, and you know, um, you you uh, a root of bitterness can grow up, and um, and we can get uh, soured on Christianity, and feel like uh, and kind of take it personal that God is keeping us at arm's length. Um, so I, I just want to mention that real quick because we do go through those those phases and those stages and they can be for a variety of reasons and I know when I was in that place uh, God was showing me a lot of things he was showing me a sin in my life that needed to be uh, purged and it wasn't um, you know it wasn't anything it wasn't like Galatians 5 sin where it was just total debauchery um, you know but subtle prides and um, 
misaligned loves and a lack of priorities, uh, not a not having a, a proper view of money or wealth. Um, so many lessons for me came out of that time, but the Lord was getting my attention. And you know, I, I love uh, Luke twenty four forty five, where it simply says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And in the passage, in the context, he's saying he opened their minds to understand the gospel and that the gospel will go forth to all the nations. But I do believe that as we spend time in scripture, uh, the Lord does uh, open up our minds to understand and to go deeper. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, always resolve to go deeper. Okay, so as we um, get into the um, stages of faith, Uh, The first one I want to talk about is that faith is propositional. So as we get into that, uh, let me let me offer a couple of um, things to think about and to carry with you on your faith journey daily. Um, I think it's good as we approach the scriptures that we consider um, not who we are, but whose we are. In other words, who do we belong to? Uh, You know, we think a lot about who we are and we have a lot of identities in the world through relationships, through career, through achievements, and so on. But I do think when we approach Scripture, I think it's important to think about whose we are. And 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we are not our own, that we have been bought with a price. And um, I think that that's important to remember. Uh, Psalm 24 says that the Lord owns everything in the world, and that includes you and me. So I think if we take the posture of humility to understand uh, that we are not our own, but that we have been bought with a price, um, I think that changes our disposition of of our hearts uh, as we get into the scriptures and we hear the truth of God. And, um, you know, when if you wanted to take a deeper look at, at... um, at that, here's a, another way to think about it. When we say, "Whose are we?" Um, well, John one twelve, we are a child. Of, we're a child of God. John uh, Romans eight uh, fourteen to sixteen, we are adopted children into His family. First um, Corinthians twelve, uh, we are members of the body of Christ. Uh, Ephesians one, like uh, I think th- around three through eight. Uh, we've been chosen by God and adopted into his family. So um, I think it's it's good for our identity to uh, think about those things as we enter scripture. Because I think that if we do that, we're going to be more open to seeing truths in scripture. And the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to things that perhaps we haven't seen before. And... It happens, frankly, it happens to me all the time. Uh, If you see my Bible, um, my favorite Bible anyways, um, a lot of underlining. But I've read things in there, and I have underlines. I have notes by them, little asterisks by them. And sometimes I read it, and it's like I've seen it for the first time. And that's what we call theology, the doctrine of illumination. And that's when the Holy Spirit has taken us deeper to look at the layers of Scripture I know there are some Christian traditions that um, don't believe in layers of Scripture, but um, you know, I just uh, bear witness that that as we grow up, we will see them, and 
and I, and you know, that's all I can say is that has been my experience. And there's, um, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of people on both sides of the fence of that conversation, but I would just encourage you to spend time in the scriptures and grow up in the faith. And as you do, you'll, uh, the Holy spirit will shine a light on things that you didn't see before. So that's just how it is. Um, the second thing I wanted to, um, for us to keep in mind is to, um, think about our thinking and first Corinthians 14 20 it says we are to be mature in our thinking yet infants in regards to evil so we are mature in our thinking we got to grow up there uh, yet we are uh, childlike in regards to the ways of the world the things we engage in in our uh, ethical and moral behavior so that's First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty, and I think that's uh, good to remember. Uh, you know that verse. It reminds me. There's a song by Twilight Harris called "The Warrior Is a Child," and um, I love the song. But it reminds me. The verse reminds me of that song uh, because we are to be childlike in our faith, but then we go to battle, and we get out there and we share the gospel and we help people and we love people. We do ministry. Uh, sometimes we have to defend the faith vigorously. Uh, we have to be intellectually competent to a certain degree um, in which um, we stand, take a stand for God. And, um, you know, and I think the Lord gives us those conversations according to um, how he's made us to be. So, um, you know, everyone is not expected to be uh, a Bible scholar. However, every, every Christian is a theologian, uh, which is why we need to read the scriptures. So, um, I just wanted to give you those things to think about as we get into, uh, the idea that faith is propositional. And I've talked about this a little bit before, but when we say faith is propositional, what we are seeing is that our religion, Christianity is made up of a series of truth claims. Um, the cornerstone being that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, um, came into the world through a virgin birth, lived a sinless, perfect life, was uh, crucified under Pontius Pilate, um, and was um, dead and buried and risen from the dead and declared victory over death. And now we share in that victory over death by faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. So uh, those are some of our truth claims, but... Um, I think it's important to understand that because they're well-defined, they're non-negotiable, and there's a, a segment, or I'm not a segment, there is a um, group of doctrines uh, that define our faith and make up our faith that it were considered essential Christianity. And uh, there are some non-essential beliefs that we hold and Christians can disagree on various things, types of baptism, uh, types of distribution of the Lord's Supper, uh, eschatology or the, the um, uh, theory of last days, you know, things like the rapture and the second coming and um, uh, the Antichrist and, you know, the, the final battle. So... Uh, but it's important to know 
the difference between, you know, the uh, essentials and the peripherals. Um, and the essentials are what we mean when we say that faith is propositional. And uh, that's important because truth is important to God. We know Jesus called himself the truth in John fourteen six. We know that the Holy Spirit is defined as the spirit of truth in John fourteen seventeen. We know that the Bible uh, is called the word of truth in John seventeen seventeen. Uh, we know that we are called to be true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. Uh, Mark four, or I'm sorry, John four, twenty three and twenty four. Uh, so truth matters to God. Um, he calls his um, his adversary the devil, the father of lies. Uh, so there's a sharp contrast between the truth and the light and um, the liar in the darkness. So um, that's one thing that's important to understand. And growing up in the faith, um, it, it really requires good thinking. And so I want to take a look at um, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So those two verses are just jam-packed with all sorts of things. So the first thing I want to uh, take a look at is that we are looking at uh, what is, in verse 1, what is acceptable to God as a spiritual act of worship. Um, well, we know from Hebrews 11.6 that uh, without faith it is impossible to please God. So we know that the spiritual act of worship is one that's driven by faith. Um, and then to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That is to um, step into uh, or walk in a manner that Jesus walked. Uh, I think Ephesians 4.1 that we walk in a manner worthy of his calling. And um, if you do a word study in the Bible on walk, uh, you'll find we are told walk in love, walk as he walked, um, uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling and so on. I mean, there's, there's a few dozen of them where we're instructed to get our living from the gospel. And that's what we're talking about there. But this is all by faith, and that's what, what makes it an acceptable act of worship. Um, when, when we are engaged in, in life and we are making, whether we're making sacrifices or we're serving in ministry or we're doing anything that we're doing, I think it's important to consider who your audience is. Uh, in other words, are you, uh, what are the motives of your heart? Are you really looking to honor God? Are, do you have an audience of one? Do I have an audience of one? Um, I think that's an important question to consider because uh, we want to honor God in everything that we do and we want to do it with uh, pure motives and a clean heart. And um, so, you know, we can get there by just recognizing that God is um, everywhere, that he's with us. Um, 
Hebrews 4.13. Uh, you know, we're, we're never out of his sight. Um, you know, Psalm 139, we're never out of his sight. So I think um, it's a good to remember who our audience is. Um, the second thing about Romans 12 is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and to no longer be conformed to this world. And I think that um, the sum of those two things is um, critical to our spiritual growth because um, our faith grows um, from what we put into our minds. So when it says don't be conformed to this world, in other words, it says don't let the world shape your life. Don't let it shape your behavior. And rather... um, be transformed. So the Paul draws a contrast here in those two. And when it says be transformed, it'd be changed, um, be open to change, be um, uh, really the in the embodiment of of Christ. You know, with the Holy Spirit living in us. So, um, but it all starts with what we put into our mind. And so he's saying, don't be conformed, but rather be transformed. And the way that we do that is through reading the scriptures. So we get we got to make um, a daily habit of getting in the scriptures to understand the propositions of our faith, to understand the power of the word of God, and then let that transform our thinking. So, um, you know, when I read in uh, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed, it, it reminds me of Isaiah 55. Uh, Isaiah 55, 7 to 9, um, it says um, roughly, um, let the wicked forsake their ways and their thoughts uh, and return to God because my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. Um, What I think is good about that, you know, we read wicked and we think, oh, those bad people, but that's us. That's you and me. We are the wicked. The natural man in his natural state is not holy. Therefore, uh, we are wicked. We're plagued by sin. And we are called to give up our our old way of thinking, just like Paul says in Romans 12, that we're no longer conformed, that we're no longer thinking the way that we think that way. In this transformation, it only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit and getting the Word of God into us. And... Um, you just have to read it and read it again. And you may read a passage, um, you know, a dozen times before you understand it. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do a show on, um, different techniques for Bible study, but you know, like one thing, um, you know, when I was younger, I would just kind of try and power through the Bible, you know, the whole Bible in a year thing. And I don't do that anymore because, um, now I find more value to camp out in a passage and read it and chew on it and digest it and think about it and then go back and read it again. And I may sit in the same chapter, even the same few verses for a week or two weeks or longer. Um, and I have found that to be enlightening in regards to understanding, um, not only the scriptures, but for passages that are speaking about spiritual realities, those also um, have been helpful to do, um, to contemplate those um, 
those spiritual realities that the Bible talks about. And, you know, there's a lot of them, well, you know, for example, um, uh, Ephesians 2, that we have been raised from the dead uh, spiritually and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Uh, Ephesians 1, that we are chosen from eternity, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, one of my favorites is uh, in Revelation 7, I think verse 9, uh, where uh, we will, with all the nation, be gathered uh, in white robes and palm branches and at the throne of God and um, and singing worship songs. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's just a wonderful picture. But sometimes, you know, close your eyes and I think about it and say, well, uh, we're going to be there one day. And uh, that's something that's sitting out, out there for us that we will enter into. And so for me, it's fun to think about and contemplate and allow that to shape my thinking here. You know, Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. And, you know, so all of those things I think are important. But if you look in scripture, there is a lot of instruction into what we put into our minds. And, um, and that shapes how we see the world. It shapes how we see people. It shapes how we see God. It shapes how we see ourselves and it helps us to, it begins to mold us to um, shape our heart uh, towards Christ, towards God, to give us rightly ordered loves. And um, uh, the last thing I want to, I want to share on this uh, topic, um, because um, this idea that faith is propositional uh, is going to be intertwined. So uh, we're going to come back to it because it's going to touch on all the stages of faith. But today I just wanted to talk about what it is and the importance again scripture into you. And um, uh, one thing that I want to uh, stress here as we're getting scripture into our minds, uh, we understand from Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And uh, the reason faith comes by hearing is that we hear it, we have a thought, uh, we process that thought, other thoughts start to germinate from those thoughts, and then we uh, correlate in our thinking process uh, what that the meaning of that is. And if we have a point of reference in our experience and in the world, then we can tie that thought to that experience and we develop understanding. So, uh, you know, uh, that's a very, I'm not a neurologist, but that is a very rudimentary way of this, the way this works. But when you think about Romans 10 and that faith comes by hearing, we need to think about this process because Christianity is very strong on thinking. And I say that to say this, do not fall into the trap of judging the quality of your faith by your feelings. And it's very easy to do uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Um, I will often... Uh, share that verse to myself as we walk by faith and not by feelings um, as a way of preaching to myself to remember that the, the truth of God transcends 
uh, my human experience. And um, so how I feel is not the end-all and be-all of the truth of God. Um, Now, it does shape my experience, uh, but it's not defined by it. And I think that's important for us to know because uh, sometimes... um, you know, we're prone. I think part of us just, and we naturally live lives of comparison on many levels. And I, um, have seen this a lot, um, in the church. Uh, you know, you have mountaintop Christians where life is always perfect. And then you have, um, others who are more transparent and, and things are struggling in the, in the faith. You know, I, my, my personal worship experience um, I um, is not as um, uh, I don't know emotionally enthusiastic as as some might be, but in the I believe that sometimes the Holy Spirit stirs my heart. Like for example, in baptism, uh, I tend to get emotional when someone's being baptized, and um, you know it's funny because if you know, it's happening and I'll, you know, something stirs my heart. I, I believe the Holy Spirit stirs my heart. I start to hyperventilate a little bit. I'm listening to uh, the pastor or the deacon, um, read through the ordinance of baptism. And, you know, before too long, I see him go in the water and, you know, and, I, and I've got it, I've got some tears and I can't explain it because there's other times when, there'll be a worship song playing and, you know, looking around and everyone's kind of emotional and worked up and, and, you know, and I don't share in that. And, um, uh, so I just give you that is by way of example, but, you know, we don't go to church for emotional arousal and I just want to, um, to point that out because, um, in fact, I think to be too, emotional in church can uh, sometimes be a false a false positive as to spiritual growth and I want to be cautious of that because um, uh, faith where it can be expressed emotionally it's not um, it's not the measure of truth and so um, I just want to make sure that we understand that clearly uh, that we're called to train our minds and we're called to control our emotions in scripture. So uh, I just want to shine a light on that. And I'm going to, I'm going to come back to this because there's a, there's a lot of thoughts here in regards to, um, when we train our minds, uh, in the type of worship that we do, uh, whether it's expressionist worship or it's liturgical worship, um, in addition to our personal worship outside of church, so all of that um, is going to be part of this uh, series of talks that we're having. But I wanted to introduce it tonight because um, we are talking about the propositions of our faith. And it's important that we approach it with a correct understanding that we are seeking to train our minds. And, um, uh, and there's a lot uh, behind that because um, I think a lot of times we are looking for an epiphany and a mountaintop experience. And uh, sometimes we just need to calm down and say, you know, we find God in the ordinary and we can miss him because we're looking for the extraordinary.
So, anyways, I just wanted to share that tonight, and um, I'm going to follow up to this one uh, really soon as we press on um, getting um, getting down this road. So, I, I thank you for listening. I hope that this was helpful. Um, remember the verse of Luke 24, 45, that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and I would even pray that. Um, and in, in fact, I do when I go to the scriptures every morning and every night, uh, Lord, speak to my heart, uh, help me to see something, help me to see you deeper, help me to, to understand, um, whatever I'm about to read to understand it better and to see another element or another aspect or another angle of whatever I'm engaged in reading. Um, I think that's a great prayer. Luke 24, 45. And, and the Lord will do that for you because the word is how we know him and he wants to know us. And I think he's thrilled, um, uh, when we approach him and when we're putting forth effort and, um, you know, Brandon Manning in his book, the Ragmuffin gospel, uh, he points out, has, has any three-year-old ever done a bad drawing? It's like, no, it's not possible. They all go in the refrigerator, and uh, we just got to understand that, you know, God sees us that way, so when we come to him, just understand, Abba, Father, and Lord, open my mind to understand better, help me to grow up in you, and help me to see you better, help me to know your love, help me to to know your mercy and your grace, and um, help that grow up in me and shape who I am, so... Um, anyhow, I hope that this, there was some value in this tonight, um, and uh, we're going to press on in this um, series. So, Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your clarity. Thank you for your spirit leading. Thank you that you have just uh, called us and have, um, well, Lord, you, you've done everything. I mean, we were dead in our trespasses. Uh, but you were rich in mercy and you called us up from the dead to walk with you. And we thank you and we praise you and we're grateful. And Father God, we just thank you for the Lord Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that we could be called children of God and that we could have a seat at the table, that that, uh, he would be the firstborn among many brethren and that we can share in your forever family. And Lord, it's just, it's overwhelming at times. I just thank you. Thank you. We just ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.